Failure is not an option. What difference at this point does it make? Nobody said it was going to be fun. This is Real Talk, a fearless, poignant, and intrepid show where truth speaks louder than words. This is Real Talk with your host, Audrey Russo. Not of this world, so we live on the run. We keep our eyes set, eyes on what is to come. It happened before, it will happen again. It's just a question of when. Time's a luxury we don't have. This is Peabody Award-winning international film and television star Nick Searcy, and you're listening to Audrey Russo on Real Talk. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, this is Audrey Russo, and you're listening to Real Talk. Are you confused about who Marxists are and how they function? If you've never learned about it in school, and you probably haven't, it's vital that you know who they are now. And we're going to discuss this further with my next guest, direct from South Africa. For my new listeners, Dr. Peter Hammond is the founder and director of Frontline Fellowship, the founder and chairman of Africa Christian Action, the director of the Christian Action Network, and chairman of the Reformation Society. He's the author of several best-selling books, including Faith Under Fire in Sudan, In the Killing Fields of Mozambique, Slavery, Terrorism, and Islam, The Historical Roots, and The Contemporary Threat. It's my great pleasure to give a real talk welcome back to Dr. Peter Hammond. Welcome back, Peter. Thank you so much, Audrey. Good to be back with Real Talk. Oh, it's great to have you with us. And we, I've been waiting to talk about this. Marxists no longer operate in secret. They are out in the open and emboldened now. Of course, that's because of the Democrat Party, but they're emboldened. It was never more critical, in my opinion, to know how they operate, and especially something in operation right now, how they weaponize words. So, Peter, would you expound on that for us? Uh, well, words are definitely weapons, Audrey, you know that. Yeah. Um, ideas have consequences. We're involved in a world war of worldviews, and terminology is not neutral. Uh, I mean, just take, for example, when you use a word like pro-choice. Right. Now, pro-choice sounds good, but they're not really pro-choice when it comes to education, because liberal leftists normally reject the rights of those parents who choose to have home-based, Bible-based, home education, parental-controlled education. So most pro-choices will oppose choice when it comes to education, <laughs> and 
Uh, they also oppose conscientious objectors amongst medical staff who mm. choose not to use the healing skills to participate in the taking of innocent life through abortion. And so, for example, uh, you've got those who proclaim themselves to be pro-choice and they declare, my body, my choice. They don't believe in choice when it comes to mandatory wearing of masks, for example. Right. So uh, isn't it interesting that uh, those who support freedom to protest when it involves Black Lives Matter or Antifa, rioters, looting shops, burning buildings, throwing rocks and petrol bombs at police and opposing. Uh, but when it comes to some citizens wanting to protest against draconian lockdown regulations in the name of combating a virus, then suddenly, no, you don't have a right to protest when it comes to peaceful protests against a lockdown, but you do have a right to violent protest when it comes to some leftist agenda especially if it might just help destabilize the country in the lead up to a major national election in America. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's mind-blowing here. I mean, for instance, in New York, where uh, we not only have, uh, I call him uh, Governor Andrew Mussolini, um, he also, on the side, he's a doctor because he the CDC said, well, you know, they started to... They, blew the numbers all the way down from 170,000 that died from it to 9,210 that actually died from the virus. Okay. And well, he, that's less than the normal seasonal flu. That's right. It's certainly it's, a lot less than tuberculosis and cancer and violent crime. Exactly, exactly. Well, he didn't like that. He that he didn't particularly care for that, so he said it was outrageous, and you need to follow, he's telling them to follow the science. Well, in his case, it's science fiction. Uh, so now he's not, and, and this is the man that was responsible. The number is now 11,000 that he is responsible for killing with his executive order in New York. So I now name him Dr. Mengele. So he's got hmm. some, uh, you know, it's either Mussolini or Mengele. This, it's still the same thing as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and this is this is what we we have here. There's, it has nothing to do with science because there's enough doctors that have come out now that have said that this is not, you know, of course, obviously not a plague, but it's being treated like that. And my questions, apart from from that, is the fact that we don't have, you know, uh, national health care here yet. They usurped our second opinion. We're entitled to a second opinion and a third opinion if we want. Uh, our patients' rights. They made a big thing about patients' rights, and all of a sudden, it magically disappeared when they wanted to hurt the re-election of Donald Trump. Isn't that interesting? It is very interesting. In fact, I think we're dealing with the most hypocritical people on the planet in history, because they take terms like freedom of speech, but they used to claim to be freedom of speech, but now they oppose freedom of speech on college campuses, on social media, anywhere when it comes to pro-life, pro-family, pro-marriage, pro-creation science, pro-intelligent design, or those who are against unconstitutional, unnecessary, unscientific lockdown regulations, or any other politically incorrect position. So they claim to be for freedom of speech, but actually they are for restricting a freedom of speech in the name of screaming hate speech if they don't like what you say. So uh, those who hate the truth uh, uh, are for hate speech laws because <laughs> when they bring in a hate speech law, it's yeah. not against hate, it's against free speech, which they hate because it's <laughs> truth, right. which upsets their narrative, actually. Yeah. So all, all words have now changed their meanings, and it's, it's incredibly confusing. So the average person needs a new dictionary virtually to understand what they mean because now they call the murder of babies is called choice. 
and uh, violent riots are called protests and violent terrorists throwing Molotov cocktails and trying to kill people and looting and burning shops causing billions of dollars of damage they called protesters and perversion is called an alternative lifestyle and hate speech is called politically correct but they call their racism diversity but they call their intolerance tolerance and they call their violence peace and looting a flat screen TV is called a protest and your free speech is called hate speech and a thought crime. So it's gotten so confusing that if anybody uh, has uh, trouble understanding what's going on, what you've got to realize is we're dealing with weaponizing words, poisoning the well, toxic terminology, and reality inversion. What they're actually doing is they're using the very opposite of what it is. So when it's hate, they call it tolerance and love. And uh, when it's violence, they call it peaceful or mostly peaceful. And you've, you've got to see that reality inversion means the very people who are doing the violence are accusing the people who are the victims of, of doing violence. And the very ones who are stealing are accusing the people who are being stolen from of stealing. And the very ones who are trying to destroy are accusing the people whose property is being destroyed of being destroyers. And the very ones who are enslaving people um, isn't it interesting that one of the founders of uh, BLM, one of the co-founders of BLM in Ferguson, he actually was arrested and imprisoned in 2016 for human trafficking, which is the modern word for slavery. Hmm. He is pimping, prostituting, human trafficking, including with underage girls. So he's involved in pedophilia, uh, prostitution, human trafficking, and slavery. And that's one of the co-founders of BLM, who, by the way, was the spokesman in speaking to the United Nations on human rights. So, you know, when it comes to hypocrisy, you cannot beat the BLM Antifa Democratic Party crowd. Yeah, you can't make this stuff up because it sounds insane. And they, they've lauded themselves as trained Marxists. But actually, you uh, a great article that you wrote, and there's just so many examples in there, but you contend the BLM is actually a religious cult. Is that correct? They are. In fact, you know, it, it's quite clear to me, having studied religions and religious cults, that uh, Black Lives Matter is a new religious cult. And I use the word cult carefully because, you see, a religion, they're not just new religion, they're new religious cult, because a religion may regard other religions as valid or other expressions of uh, their religion as valid. But a cult says you can only find salvation through this cult, through this particular group. So uh, BLM is a religious cult. They are actually uh, involved in a real, genuine religious activity. They're offering another gospel, a false gospel, a false mission, plainly derived from liberation theology, which, as you know, is nothing more than Marxism wrapped up in religious terminology. They are using black theology, which is also Marxism, with just racism added in, along with animism, which depersonalizes evil and sees evil in things and systems, not personal responsibility. So forget the fact that I'm aborting my baby, abandoning my wife, not caring for my children, uh, that I'm a deadbeat, a drug addict, and so on. The real evil's in that statue. If I can just Topple that statue. I mean, even if it hits someone in the head and almost kills them, uh, still, the evil's in the thing. It's not my responsibility for having toppled the, the statue onto somebody's head. It's the statue's fault. You know, So it's a bad workman blames his tools. Well, these people blame things, but they don't take personal responsibility. So they depersonalize evil, and they see themselves as a good person, but the system is evil. And 
what this is, is it's not biblical theology, it's race politics. But notice that they require you to kneel. They require you to confess. Yes. They require you wow. to do atonement. This is a works-based salvation. There's no atonement, of course, but blood is shed and windows are smashed and shops are looted and monuments are defaced and desecrated and defiled and preferably destroyed and removed altogether. But in the place of Christ, they're offering BLM martyrs, BLM saints. And the fact that some of those martyrs and saints may have been pedophiles, drug addicts, career criminals, uh, armed robbers, rapists, and so on, that, that's irrelevant. They're saints. You know, don't you dig bring facts in and ruin the narrative. And they organize public rituals where whites are required to go on their knees and wash the feet of BLM activists or brush their shoes and so on. And they're then expected to join in the BLM revolutionary agenda in perpetual repentance for perpetual revolution because original sin is white, male, straight, privilege. So if you're white, strike one. If you're a male, strike two. If you're straight, strike three. <laughs> right. uh, if, you're, if you're a white female who's straight, well, you've got two strikes against you. Uh, if you're a black who's straight and who is a male and who is Republican, well, strike three. I mean, I've heard it said from BLM supporters that when I quote Thomas Sowell or Ben Carson, they say, they're not black. I say, they're not. They look black to me. That's what uh, Joe Biden says. If you don't vote for him, you ain't black. That's what he says. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I had somebody who denied that Thomas Sowell and Ben Carson were black and Walter Williams. No, they're not black. Uh, when I brought up Clinton, they said, no, the Clintons are black. So, you know, <laughs> when you get down to it, it isn't even about race. This is a religious, Marxist, class warfare deal. And basically, if you're on your, their side, now they're using Black Lives Matter as a stick to beat people over the head with. It's a weapon. Have you noticed that about 70% of the BLM mobs are actually whites? Yes, yes, yes. It's incredible. It's incredible. I think probably what's more disturbing, and maybe you can tell me if this is something you've seen in Africa, is that, um, and it doesn't have to be BLM, but it's, uh, we had just recently, they, see, their attitude is, like, I'll say Trump supporters, anyone that is opposing them, and uh, they see us as the, as the Germans did back in the time, as the G Germans saw my people, the Jewish people, how they saw them as, well, you, they're not human. They're more, and they would show those propaganda films of them being rodents, and it's okay to kill them. And now they have that attitude about people who were Trump supporters, and some, uh, he was a Christian, as he was part of a patriot prayer uh, group, and they killed him. He was unarmed, and they just, they killed him, and then they celebrated it after that i've seen the way this dehumanization works in rwanda and in south africa so the radical marxists in rwanda back in 1994 had dehumanized the tutsi minority about 15 percent of the population were tutsi they were christian they're black but but they were the wrong tribe and so you know tribalism is also reality when you get to africa it's not just race it's tribe and the the Tutsi were mostly Christian, mostly Protestant, and they got dehumanized. They were called cockroaches, Inyenzis. And so the Interhamwe were to clear the bush uh, by cleaning up, which was another word for extermination. And they killed 800,000 Tutsi Protestant Christians with machetes in about six weeks while the UN stood by doing nothing. Well, doing nothing's not even honest. The UN had disarmed the Tutsi beforehand and enabled uh, the genocide, and then they uh, handed over those Tutsi journalists, 
teachers, pastors who were requested by the entire way, found them uh, in their refugee camps, brought them out to the gates, and in front of the UN peacekeepers, uh, wearing those blue helmets, the Interhambwe hacked these people to death, and they came with another list the next day, and the UN found them too, and they killed more of those Indians. The next day, they came back and gave another list, and the UN went to the trouble of finding out those people too, and this carried on for weeks. And I've documented my book, Holocaust in Rwanda, in South Africa, since Nelson Mandela became president in 1994, whites have been demonized, and we've had over 84,000 white people in South Africa hacked to death, tortured, raped, murdered, burned to death, had gasoline poured down their throats, and uh, I won't even talk about the different other tortures. It's, it's beyond imagination, the demonic savagery that's uh, been perpetrated by Marxist terrorists in South Africa with the blessing of government officials who dance and sing about bringing me my machine gun, one settler, one bullet, kill the boer, kill the farmer. And you've got this demonizing and dehumanizing of their targeted group. And so the Genocide Watch uh, looks at this and they say, one of the first things that you uh, see in the lead up to genocide is dehumanizing and demonizing of the targeted race, class, group, nation. And I've seen it in Rwanda. I've seen it in South Africa, it's going on here now, and I see it with BLM in America, to demonize people to the point that people think that they can go in a mob and attack like Rand Paul and his wife on the streets of Washington, D.C., and a mob gathers around, and they're like hyenas and vultures. And in fact, even when I say that, I feel bad, because hyenas and vultures don't deserve to be maligned <laughs> by being associated with this kind of savagery but you've seen the pictures you've yeah. seen what goes on yeah. and this is the result of propaganda make no doubt about it words are weapons terminology can be toxic and propaganda kills and the end result of the kind of propaganda going on in america right now is civil war and genocide honestly that's the end game that's where it's going if it doesn't get stopped with decisive action yeah yeah um so it is what we've seen this year lockdowns propaganda and the virus numbers masking the public blm antifa violence is this in reality communist tactics in an attempt to cheat their way into power Oh, totally, yes. Uh, all you've got to do is look at the French Revolution of 1789, the Bolshevik Revolution of 1917. Anarchy in the streets leads to tyranny in government. In fact, anarchy leads to tyranny. Uh, evolution in teaching leads to revolution in the streets, which can then lead to communist tyranny uh, in government. And this is the policy. What is the Philosophy of education in the classroom in this generation becomes a philosophy of politics and government in the next generation. And so this revolution that's going on in America right now, make no mistake, it didn't come out of nowhere. It has been festering in your media. I'm talking about the mainstream news media, the Clinton News Network, the Bolshevik Broadcasting Corporation, Slime Magazine, Newspeak, Useless News and World Report, and in the classrooms. These so-called education institutions in America, the state education, in many cases, is nothing different from indoctrination. And then you've got Hollywood, who's brought out many films that have been carrying on this narrative, of course, and demonizing whites and uh, victimizing uh, black people and pushing class warfare and all sorts of other Marxist dialectics, uh, causing division and uh, undermining uh, the whole society and the fabric society, especially the family unit. And what we are seeing right now is the end result 
of the cultural Marxism, the critical race theory, the Frankfurt School. This is Herbert Marcuse. This is exactly what uh, the uh, different Marxists have been planning right from uh, the 1920s and 30s, how they are going to use foul language and arts and entertainment like verbal grenades, obscenity and blasphemy and pornography to subvert Christian society, how they are going to basically change the culture from a Christian to a non-Christian to an anti-Christian culture. This is the game plan, Frankfurt School of Marxism since 1920s. And you can see how they've worked their way through Hollywood, through your schools, through your so-called education system, and through the news media. And right now what we're seeing is the fruit of decades, in fact generations, of not just communist subversion, but I'm sorry to say in many cases churches abdicating their responsibility to blow the trumpet, to preach on all things, apply the Lord to Christ to all areas of life. And so what we're seeing is that when the church has not submitted to God and resisted the devil, he doesn't flee from us. If we if we do fight, we win, because greater is he who is in us than him who is in the world. Submit to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from us. But the trouble is, you can have the best army or team uh, in the world, but if they're not on the field at the time of the match, they lose. And I would say in many cases, this isn't just the evil of the wicked that we're seeing, but we're seeing the passivity, neutrality, inactivity, and, dare I say it, cowardice yeah. of all too many Christian patriotic Americans who have refused to get involved in this fight and have basically left the field for the Marxists to hijack their youth who right now think they're doing a good thing while destroying people's lives and businesses and looting and burning in the main streets. Yeah. Well, I mean, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I think it was pretty, uh, more than anything, very telling and very revealing of, of uh, Christians in this country that or some of them are still hunkered down making no difference, you know, taking no advantage of the opportunity of people being terrified. You would think that there's no difference between them and, and the, an average person that doesn't know the Lord, right? Oh, it, it, it's shocking, yes. Uh, I mean, just take BLM. They say that most Americans and most American Christians support BLM. How is that possible? Black Lives Matter movement is blatantly pro-abortion, pro-perversion, pro-pornography, pro-gender confusion, they promote transgenderism, they're hostile to the family, they say they are dedicated to the destruction of the nuclear family, BLM is unbiblical, they're anti-Christian to the core, they're like the hypocritical Pharisees who went up to the temple to pray, confessing other people's sins, real, exaggerate or imagine, but self-righteously failing to recognize and acknowledge their own personal sins and responsibilities. Do you know, more black people are aborted in America than born, yeah. and uh, in fact, the black community is overrepresented in the abortion clinics. And that was the plan of Planned Parenthood uh, right from the beginning with Margaret Sanger and so on to get rid of black people, human weeds, as she called them. And Planned Parenthood was eugenicist, anti-black, anti-Christian to the core. And to think today that is there a BLM leader or a major black leader in America uh, on the Democrat side who will speak out against Planned Parenthood? They yeah. dare not. They, yeah. they joined in the hip. To it. So uh, what you're dealing with is, in many cases, are most Americans pro-abortion? No. Are most Americans pro-perversion? No. no. Are most of them pro-all these evils? No. no. But because of cowardice, they've allowed the impression to be created that most people either agree, whether by silence or by financial donations from major corporations. But this is just outrageous. Uh, now, I've just got to warn Americans, because I've lived through three revolutions. I've 
experienced and been involved in eight wars. I've, I've worked across more than uh, 38 countries, and I've mostly focused on the persecuted church for the last 40 years. And I can see crystal clear what's happening in America, revolution. This is revolution. This is Marxist revolution. And I know where this ends. And there's only one way to defeat this, and that's decisively. And there's nothing communists respect more than strength, and there's nothing they despise more than weakness. You cannot uh, buy them off by weakness and bowing and scraping and mouthing their mantras and raising the fist. All it does is it's, it just uh, pours gasoline on the fire because you know the way cowards are. Bullies, when you give them fear, when you give them uh, any kind of acquiescence or uh, you give in to them at all, they just accelerate the demands to ever more unreasonable amounts. So the only way you can deal with these characters is to decisively deal with them and they will respond to strength and decisiveness. But cowardice, compromise, well, you've seen what happens in the Democrat-run cities. Yeah. Democrat mayors will bow the knee, raise the fist, mouth the mantra, say what they want, give the rhetorical uh, rant that these people want and so on. And does it help them? No, they still get attacked and stoned and slandered and, and all the rest of it and uh, kicked and so on. So the, the Democrats who are running these cities are either useful idiots for the communists or they knowing accessories and allies and complicit in this communist revolution. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. I believe they're complicit. Peter, where can Alicia's follow and support your excellent work and purchase your books? Where can they do that? Yes, well, if people visit frontlinemissionsa.org, uh, they'll see uh, I've, I've done videos and exposés and some PowerPoints and articles on Black Lives Matter, New Religious Cult, and uh, the Bolshevik Revolution, French Revolution, George Orwell, uh, weaponizing words, the war on free speech. So, uh, I've been seeing the importance of putting down what I see and documenting and giving pictures so they can get those and some of the books that I've, I've written, like in the killing fields of Mozambique, Holocaust, Rwanda. I mean, these, uh, what's going on the streets of America, I understand it all too well. It's like I, um, I could visualize being there because I've seen this before. This is nothing new. And most of you, when you were watching your TVs or news reports back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and you saw things like this happening in Rhodesia or South Africa, and you thought, oh, well, I'm glad that could never happen in America. And, well, now it is. And now you know how we felt, and now you know what we were facing. Because communists are the same the world over. It's a historical fact. And there's some excellent books, uh, like David Noble wrote, You Can Trust the Communists to Be Communists. Excellent uh, exposition, how they think, how they work. Uh, so visit frontlinemissionsa.org on the website, uh, or you can email me, peter at frontline.org.za. Excellent. And as always, I'll have those links to my after show, which is now on the live show page. Just go to audreyrusso.com, click on the on-air button, and right under the show description, you'll find all the information and links you need to follow Peter's work. Thank you so much again, Peter, for your excellent, the brilliant assessments for us. We're looking forward to your return to the show. Until then, may God bless you, your work, and may God save America. Bye for now. Thank you, Audrey. God bless. Thank you.